Oh, hello? Everybody, everybody here? Oh, 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 oh yeah. Uh, there we are. We could all do that. <laughs> we could all do that. All right. I've, I've been a big fan of the term nut roll lately, um, especially because one of my uh, one of my friends from grad school who works in county government uh, used it. Um, and I was like, you mean like the pastry? <laughs> and he was like, no, like when when you roll over your nuts and it hurts really bad. <laughs> it was a good little Abbott and Costello bit. Uh, yeah, fucking a. Um, let's do let's do this thing, guys. Let's go. to check under the seat the 2021 c-lab 2021 podcast Wait, did you check under the seat yeah check under the seat um what's your what's your malfunction that's um you gotta look under the seat to see if there's a c-lab under there malfunction is that a robot reference um it should be it is now a bar robot <laughs> reference yeah it's definitely a bar robot there it go my anyway i'm jim hey I'm jim James. And I'm an engineer, Memphis. Ah, uh, Jiner, nice to have you here today. Yeah, good to be um, here. Thanks for inviting me to speak with you guys today. Yeah, this is your first time on the podcast, so welcome. Yeah, for a long time, uh, long time listener, first time caller. Uh, yes, uh, LTL, FTC. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's good. Uh, today we're going to be discussing episode two. Uh, if you tuned in last week, we kicked it off. The premise of this episode pretty pretty straightforward. Um, while the station is in danger uh, from a hull breach, uh, the crew is pondering what life would be like if they put their brains inside robot bodies. <laughs> the episode's title uh, was uh, actually based on the, the novel, uh, the eponymous novel by Isaac Asimov. Um, and it predates the, the Will Smith iRobot movie by, by four years. Um, I was I was yesterday years old when I found out that there was that big of a time gap between this episode and the Wilson Smith movie. Pretty highbrow of them to name an episode after an Asimov novel. The, honestly, the uh, Will Smith movie is based off of this episode, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. The, uh, that makes sense. Um, the, and the, actually, the Isaac I, Asimov I, book was a novelization of this episode. I, I think that yeah, that yeah. was a that was a lame commercial tie-in to C Lab for sure. It was definitely a book that was only. Uh, it was the book was only spun up to, to sell toys. And you can't even get um, them. But you can't. But you can't. You can't find any of them anywhere. Uh, it's a real pain in the nuts. Um, a real uh, nut roll, if you will. Yeah, a real nut roll. Uh, hey, but... um, 
let's uh let's fucking rap about this yes yeah, uh, uh let's rap about this episode i know jim you have oh a james my god yes jim james i know you have a lot you have a lot to I, say, uh, and so let's uh let's get into yeah, it yeah i i have a, I have a little bit about it like so let's uh and uh as they would say let's throw the old peanut around um yeah so th- this uh this episode starts or ha- has a few tropes that uh, uh adam reed and matt thomas would wind up using a lot like a lot in this show and then a lot in archer uh so in, in tv tropes language uh i think it's called um what is it yeah two lines no waiting is like the the larger kind of trope where you have multiple storylines at the same time but the one that they kind of use in the show and later in archer is just one massively horrible thing happening but it's in the background and like the running gag is that it's not, not like the main characters don't know it's happening like they know they just don't care so right. in this in this instance they they know that oh man like uh, there's a whole breach and somehow that leads to different parts of sea lab exploding uh but they focus on a robot body transplant uh so the, the start of the episode right like the uh there's a newscast that's like oh uh, yeah like there's a whole breach there's no no way to save these people in sea lab it's horrible also there's like a monkey jango little jango put his brain in a robot body <laughs> and, <laughs> And so anyway, so the, the, the different parts of the C-Lab, uh, they're called pods, I think. They just keep exploding. Quinn winds up being the only one that tries to fix it, which kind of reinforces as like the him being like the straight man on the show. Um, in the end, of course, he reveals that he is actually a robot. Uh, he's had, he put his human brain in a robot body because, quote, his fragile body could not deal with the viruses of the 21st century, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty uh, on I... the nose absolutely died um when that line came up i was like i i literally threw i I literally threw my computer across the room and almost broke it Um, for for context we're in the midst of a hopefully just once in a lifetime pandemic uh covid 45 as i like to call it and two zigzags Um, God. Yeah. So so anyway, to wrap to, to wrap on this, Quinn, uh, he's he kind he thinks he saves C Lab. I think it's not really clear if he just kind of gives up or not. And uh, he's not asking for acceptance. He's asking for friendship. Or I th- I, I don't know what the line is. And then it, of course the entire lab explodes uh, again, reinforcing that as a as a trope uh, on the show. And then the other ongoing joke. And I think this is this is used a lot in Archer and also sometimes in this this show too is like the constantly ever refined specifics that like Sparks will give on the rules dictating like the transfer to a robot body and then that slowly gets followed and then kind of uh, continued on from everybody else. So it starts with uh, um, you know you know you're just going to start the same way like your your body will be exactly the same except it'll be you know a machine. Uh, except for Murphy, who who wants to be an Adrian Barbobot, which just kills me. Uh, and then there's a new rule that it has to be five feet. Uh, and then there's some other details that get obscured by alarm bells. Uh, and there's like they put in some raunchy joke on Cartoon Network in the year 2000 because it keeps bleeping out things. Uh, and then uh, like that, that obscures Debbie's raunchy joke. And then it goes to talk about X-ray vision being mandatory. And then the next discussion, uh, and then it just kind of keeps spiraling, right? Uh, where like the next part of the discussion is like the inevitable human robot war with humans using dogs to smell robots. And and Debbie switches pronouns saying, that's how they find us. Uh, and then the right. implications of it where they, and they argue with Hesh, who, who I, I think, 
I, I think we saw him last episode, but this is the first one where MC Chris really turns it on. And his voice like this and Hash, uh, it would be great. Uh, like, it, MC Chris was just great uh, back in the day. He did interact with fans uh, about the show, like while the show was still going on over email. Just awesome dude. Um, and anyway, uh, like, so Hesh like confirms that, yeah, like in the human robot war, we're not going to follow the bogus trees. We're going to keep you on the reservation. <laughs> uh, and, but the, the best joke and I'll, I'll wrap here is, uh, like this, like con- completely, uh, Seinfeldian kind of conversation comes to a head when all the characters talk about, well, what are they going to do if they have problems like having brain tumors or, or a stormy says, yeah, big ass tumor. And then for a second, they're like, oh, yeah, like, well, the, the robots are bodies just gonna be brain surgeons. And then they all are like, no, 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 like, that's not possible. Like, they can't, if they have to be five feet, they can't be a brain surgeon, uh, as, uh, as I said on the episode. So anyway, um, it is like, it works on so many levels. There's the, there's the two levels where the, the entire lab is about to explode and no one cares. And then there's just this completely escalating into nonsense conversation that just kind of keeps getting pushed into more directions. Uh, and then uh, of course the episode in season three gets a follow-up called I robot really, where we do see the Adrian Barbeau bot um, uh, along with a tiger bot and a, and a you know, alligator bot and everything else. It's, it's absolutely insane. I love this episode. I can't get enough of it. It's, it's the best. It, it might, it might honestly, like I was thinking, Oh, I've been I I've, I rode hard for um, for all that jazz and Stimutex for an extremely long time, like the better part of the last uh, two decades, um, to the point where I've like written about them multiple times. But like this this episode might be actually be the best episode of the show, uh, and it's fucked up that it happens this early in the series. Um, but it's again like we talked about last week. It's really a testament to to just how hard this show comes out swinging. Um, Like, I don't think a show has ever come out swinging this hard ever. So Um, it's pretty I didn't didn't watch the episode at all, but I fucking love when the alarm is going off and (laughs) they're just talking ever and ever louder over it until, like, for some reason, one of them like actually decide to do something to solve a problem, which is like a weird fucking thing for the show at all. Um, <laughs> who, who turns off the alarm? What's that character's name? Uh, Sparks. He's like, oh, ho- hold on, hold on. And he just, uh, he yeah. just turns it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he just, he just, he just, he just turns it off. He just silences the fucking alarm. Um, the the I love the alarm. Like the alarm is such a good piece of conversational. Like I, I was just thinking, like conversational slapstick, yeah. right? Like how it just keeps it just keeps bleeping out people saying <laughs> shit, um, and, and particularly like the, the Debbie says uh, like says really bad words. In in improv, you have this concept of the yes and right. How just like the way that you keep a, a an improv volley going is that you just have to fucking say yes to whatever the other person. Uh, across the stage from you is suggesting and like that is happening to such a, an extreme extent with the, the conversation that they're having about the the brain and the robot body on this show and i think it's like it's just such a great little piece of like highbrow real comedy fan service i don't i think that lends itself to how 
how incredibly highbrow a lot of this early adult swim stuff is yeah it's wonderful at least some of the some of the quotes i wrote down is like early on when, when murphy's talking about transferring his body it's like i like my body i love my body yes <laughs> circle is never squared as to why like a whole breach is just causing the fucking mass implosion of the lab right like it's <laughs> it's sure like it stands to reason but there's there's never any any uh dots connected there um which i is really i think is really great oh yeah yeah, I I can't get enough of, of this episode. This is like one of those episodes where, I don't know about you guys, but yeah, like you look back over like the last 20 years, which is crazy. And you're like, oh my God, like so much of my sense of humor is influenced by these complete maniacs who, who wrote this episode. Like, oh yeah, no, it's it's awesome. Uh, like the other ones that, that just completely kill me is like, like it kind of near like the the zenith of like the conversation spinning out of control with like that's a crime against the robot church uh (laughs) we're talking about we don't need rome telling us what to do (laughs) yeah i'm like i I definitely i've definitely uh, substituted rome for for quite a lot of things and of course like i'm the only one who gets like the inside joke in my brain my robot brain uh but yeah, that and like that's against the natural order. Yes, when... that's probably my favorite quote of the entire episode. Like Marco just all of a sudden gets super highbrow, uh, and because uh, it's it's so great. Like, uh, I'm not I'm not putting my brain in a robot body. That will go against the natural order. Like, well, what fucking Marco just reveals itself as, as being some kind of eco fascist. Like, what what is that? Uh, that's against the natural order. Really, uh, really good. <laughs> And then I, I love when Marco goes down to uh, to talk to Quinn to get Quinn to you know save the entire uh, you know station or whatever, and Marco's just like kind of matter of factly being like, "Hey Quinn, uh, a question for you: Would you uh, would you put your brain in a robot body?" <laughs> Quinn reacts like a normal person, like, "Wait, what? <laughs> like, the entire lab's about to explode," and uh, and Marco's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, if you let's sort of just throw the old peanut around, like." <laughs> <laughs> the, my my favorite is when Marco um, a lot of things in this episode are my favorite when, when marco is on his way to talk to quinn and he's continuing the conversation on the intercom with sparks about the brain <laughs> of the robot body. yes <laughs> that, that that's probably my favorite part yeah that's yeah. just like completely like like it's just it's just gotten to like absolutely deranged level um <laughs> of like fixation at that point yeah um, um, another another really great Marco quote. We better not have to live on a reservation. That'll really chat my caboose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And uh, oh, obviously, God. you're not the uh, Murphy going. You're not the boss of Tigerbot Hesh. Probably is really <laughs> when the, the pace of the conversation it's kind of fever pitch. I wasn't sure if my like pandemic brain was just like like thinking this, but I feel like there's like just such a like a a brilliant critique of high modernism going on as well because it's just like this kind of um absolute like reduction to like technology and um and and and, and these things that are like uh that, that we're using to like envision our future but like absolutely ignoring our own peril within all of that and and there's just like some kind of like brilliant like i don't know like sort of below the surface commentary there well and i also uh, yeah i think uh, to that point i'll do you one better on that and i think i think it's actually pretty uh pretty foreshadowy uh 
about 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 where we currently are like the way things have gone particularly in the last year of <laughs> of modern civilization how like we we are so uh we are so existentially threatened all the time by all these big fucking problems and we spend all our time arguing with strangers online about bullshit about these bullshit yeah. about these bullshit wedge issues right just yelling at each other fucking screaming at each other um and so i think that this is a great little kind of micro uh microcosm of that pretty pretty forward pretty forward thinking so we're saying that uh c live 2021 predicted the the modern twitter argument uh i think that i think it's safe to say I'll, i every time i log on to twitter it automatically just like slingshots me back to the fucking discourse tenor of this episode like um yeah it's it's twitter is just literally a bunch of fucking people sitting around uh asking each other if they put their brain in a robot body all day <laughs> you're not the boss of tiger Bot-ish. yeah and then it's me it's me logging on and telling people they're not the boss of tiger Bot. <clears throat> Oh, you can't even vote. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they, 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 they discriminate against you. Well, we look the same. <laughs> the dogs. Oh, my gosh. That, that's how they find us. That's how the humans hunt you. <laughs> that's how um, the humans find us. Uh, no, uh, yet another really great quote, and I believe this is this came from Murphy, uh, too. Nails are like candy to robots, <laughs> and he'll eat tires instead of licorice. <laughs> Uh, it just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, like, uh, you guys want to take a quick uh, sip of our candles? Yeah, yeah let's, let's drink some candles. Right. Uh, Yankee, uh, Yankee candle sponsoring today. Um, uh, if you if you want to take if you want to taste the smell of your house, Yankee candle now in new uh, Pepsi and Sprite flavored drinkable editions. It's really good, but it's really waxy in my mouth. So that's because you. That's because you're. Supposed to- <clears throat> That's supposed to. That's because you're supposed to prime the inside of your mouth with boiling water before you drink the candle, and Jiner. Jiner, did you not do that? Did you not read the manual that came? I don't read the manual about a candle. <clears throat> Hang on, let me boil some water. This is a chopping spoon. Oh, podcast, much man. better. Thank you for that advice. Next time, I'll do that before I drink the candle. Yeah. Do you feel refreshed? Yes. Don't ever, don't ever ask him that again, James. <laughs> so Marco, so, <laughs> Marco's references uh, being able to destroy things with like a metal jaw. I think in this episode, right? Like he has some kind yeah. of throwaway line. Yeah, you know what I immediately thought of is in the next season the uh, the absolutely insane Bizarro episode with Bizarro Marco has a metal jaw. Yep. So I don't, I don't know if that's a. Uh, uh, a reference that they were they were trying to work with later um but uh yeah you know in later episodes of this show it, it kind of feels like uh like the best thing they could have gotten was like some kind of like editor or something it's just like some of the the ideas are so off the wall and insane that like yeah they, they kind of reused some of that stuff in early archer uh, with like i think more effect maybe because they already tried it before but i think like in this episode the uh you know, like the, the limitations on the medium, right? Like they had almost no original animation whatsoever, and everything has to be done through dialogue. It really limited their ability to, like, you know, be creative and, and do some awesome stuff. But I think it's like those limitations that really helped, uh, like, make some of these early episodes just absolutely amazing. 
Well, yeah, it was just, it was such a great way for them to to just work out their their comedic technique, um, so that so that shows like Archer um, could really could really really run run with it, right? Like they they got they got so many kinks worked out early on, and like discovered the exact right level of of zany, and like you gotta you gotta think about like what the back then like what the feedback was looked like a lot of this was, was way more shooting in the dark uh than it is now like we almost take for granted now the fact that like once you, when you put a piece of media out like there is an instant and tangible response that's almost overwhelming to the creator right you get an instant temperature test on like how well it landed and what people think and then you could pivot from that but like the feedback loop was much more extended back then and like you know it would be a fun thing to do um so let's put a pin in this it, it would be a, a fun thing to do for like a future like Patreon thing for us to like get together uh, and like watch along with one of the commentary episodes and like do commentary over the commentary. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I think that would that would really be be fun as fuck. Kind of like a momentary. Uh, yeah, or the the momentary part two. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I I was I was thinking that'd be really dope. I think. Uh, and you can include this in the actual thing for the actual episode is that uh so this episode like irobot is one of the few from this season that has any kind of extras associated with it and so in the dvd that got released because dvds used to get released uh you kind of really had to be super brave and bold uh in order to establish new shit and uh, i think this episode is just a perfect example of us seeing that happening yeah so and i think that's why great. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're on to something. I think that's why, like, right, so Radio Free Sea Lab came on December 21st, 2000. This follows up uh, eight days later on the 30th, along with Happy Cake, which we'll talk about next. Uh, but, you know, didn't, like we said last time, they go nine months before they kind of really get all of that other episodes together um, and it kind of release them. So I wonder what the feedback loop was within the uh, within Cartoon Network at the time. Like, I know there's a bunch of uh, like commentary Adam uh, Reed and Matt Thompson did, and along with MT Chris about what it was like back then. And I guess later on we'll probably just cover all that too. But yeah, it seemed like it, it did take them a little bit of time to get that feedback at Cartoon Network and kind of figure out where they're going to go with it. They uh, they include the, the alternate endings um, and and some other stuff. Like they uh, they had an uncensored version of Radio Free Sea Lab and. Like, well, we can talk about that, uh, like a future episode of wrap up season one. Uh, but like the end, those alternate endings are also just as freaking crazy and different as, uh, as watching Quinn, uh, pull his skin back and show us that he has a robot innards. <laughs> it's, uh, I became this bastard child of science and humanity. Uh, that's like a, I, I love it when that moment happens and it's just like, it is such a, uh, a flagrantly just like Oscar Beatty kind of speech. Um, like it, it's, it's something like straight out of a straight out of a fucking uh, like Denzel Washington movie. Like a late 90s, like a late nineties uh, dramatic yeah. uh, 
yeah for effect kind of <laughs> yeah stuff. grandiose dystopian futurism uh whatever the fuck and i love um, me as a television screen i have no idea what it's showing me like i've yeah, watched it no, I, three I, times i can't make it out no i i was trying to like i just couldn't get my brain to focus on the television screen because there were too many other things going on and then the fucking lab explodes so like it's is just that a, yeah now is that a commentary on on modernism I would I, th- I would think it would have to be. I think everything that I think that the people who wrote this show are so smart that like everything is everything is a hat on a hat, so to speak. Love it. It's uh, really really something. I just think that like it really it's this uh, this episode is really rewatchable. It's really conversationally dense in a way that few other episodes of TV I've ever seen are. Like because mm-hmm. every every line is gold. Like you, you typically like sift through episodes of shows like this for like the little gold bits. And this, this episode is just entirely fucking gold down to like the little like incidental lines, like just Murphy saying pod six was jerks. Just, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> insane, insane. And like fucking who the, also who the fuck is the bald guy? Uh, the, the bald guy with the really gruff voice. <laughs> Oh. Fucking Telly Savalas, motherfucker, who comes in, he's like, "Yeah, baby, knocking those robot boots." Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. that guy? Does that guy ever show up again? I, I don't uh, know. I don't know. I, I I hope not. I hope actually, I hope he does. But uh, yeah, and then I, I like Gus when they're like, "Hold on, like let's let's let, let's go ask Gus. He would know." And uh, like the next day, like Quinn's trying to talk to him, and they're like, oh, "Hold on, hold sorry, Gus." <laughs> you know, they, they like go back to Gus. Like, yeah, sorry about that. And, and and Gus has to give him like information. Like, we have no idea who this, who Gus is or anything. It's it's amazing. Still still not really a substantial introduction of Debbie in this episode. Um, I the, the um, Black Debbie has not been introduced at all yet. Uh, I don't believe. Whoa. And I know it's it's uh, I know it's uh, incendiary in these times to, to call her Black Debbie, but we are uh, going to call her that in the show for the purposes of differentiating from the other Debbie. We're just following that, the show, people. That that said, brief brief introduction of Debbie here. Uh, I don't remember exactly what she says, um, but she's talking about how uh, they could push that in her robot. <laughs> Yeah, we don't, we don't know what right. that would is because it's bleeped out. But it's yeah, uh, it's it bleeped out. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Like, the characters really don't have much of a much of a personality. Like Sparks is kind of clearly like a, like a little bit smarter, but also just very concerned about his own stuff. And Murphy continues to be kind of an idiot, like the first episode. And, and Quinn is a straight man, and everyone else is kind of Stormy hasn't fully formed into his like weird man child uh, himbo. Uh, personality yet although there starts to be like hints at it uh marco gets pretty well established and just being like mr Wildcard, they like clearly clearly have drawn a line in the sand between him and quinn in this episode like marco is no longer anything resembling a voice of reason that those are those are my thoughts and, and that's that's the alarm. That's the alarm. That's the alarm. That's the alarm. That's the alarm in, in, in Flavortown. And that's also the dog in Flavortown. Um, this, means, this means that we're at time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Check Under the Sea. Thank you. Check under your seat? Check under your seat for a sweet treat. Some milk DVDs. Any, uh, any, any final thoughts? My, my one... 
final thought is that is like I feel like this episode is like reading a fucking like John Le Carre novel because there's so much fucking talking going on and it's like the only thing that ha- like I, I swear to God there's not even like a single beat of like silence in this episode. That's a really good point because a lot of a lot of what defines the the comedic tenor of this this show and the other early Adult Swim shows is like a really really smart use of of white space and for using sure. those like the suspense that that happens in white space for and those beats for for comedic leverage. But like that, there's none of that. There's absolutely none of that happening in this fucking episode. This episode is balls to the wall, slapdash, smash mouth. Uh, yes, and comedy, and it's beautiful. Somebody once told those me. are my those are my final thoughts. Yeah, I, I talked a lot about this episode. It's uh, it's th- this and maybe a few other episodes of Adult Swim uh, just permeated my my small adolescent brain and turned me into the monster I am today. So, big shout out to iRobot. Yeah, it's a it's a real one. Um, probably a top five episode of TV ever for me. Uh, really enjoyed getting reacquainted with it. I, I took it for granted. Um, it's it's very, very good. So, again, thanks thanks for joining, y'all. Um, we had a blast, as always. And uh, tune in next time where we're going to be discussing another another episode. Uh, that's Happy Kick, right? Yeah, oh, yeah it's Happy, Happy Kick. Kick. Yeah, it's the last of the 2,000 episodes. And then, uh, yes. And then after that, we... So make sure to join... <laughs> uh, make sure to join us. Make sure to join Yeah, make sure to join Make, make sure to join we're not even on a Zoom call. There's no excuse for things to be this disjointed, but they're fucking anyway because uh, it's 2020 um, for a little bit. You'll make it good in the edit. Um, yeah, absolutely. We're going to make everything good in the edit. We'll fucking fix, fix it in post. We'll do it live. <laughs> All right, y'all. All right. Um, thanks, for, thanks for joining.